I think we're right back in it. We're gonna jump right into Q&A, so we'll throw that jingle right back up there. 360-447-8474. Text in any questions, comments, concerns, observations, and we'll talk to the old man right here, right about him, right now. Hello. It's the last Sunday for these, for our miniature purses. It's the last Sunday for our <laughs> miniature purses. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. I feel like everybody's holding their breath, though, saying, like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it, but I... I'm not even going to say anything else about it because I don't want to jinx anything. Oh, good Sunday. Because we believe in jinxes. <laughs> <laughs> you can say jinx. I just did. Yes, that's true. Um, okay. So, yeah. Great Sunday. Good stuff. Really fun feeling. Saints alive. Saints alive. Saints alive. The saints and the ain'ts. Uh, I don't know that I've ever... Well, no. I know that I have never looked... Uh, at so much of the New Testament through the lens, I love these lenses. Yep, yep. Through the lens of the bondservant. Yo. Because once you real, I mean, there's a reason. Right. You know, Revelation uh, was given to Jesus Christ to share with his bondservants. Uh, in almost every letter, James, a bondservant of God uh -huh. and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes of his first abroad. Once you start hearing it, yeah. and you know what the bondservant is, it's like, Oh, all the passages about belonging to the Lord. Right, right. Being brought into his family and adopted and how he is the servant of all and he is your Lord. Wait, my master is my servant? Yes, because that's the picture of servants in a family, of family members. Right, family right, members serve right. each other. Right. Anyway. So do you think it works the other way too with, uh, you know, you're a slave to what you obey, he says. So when you make that sin... Are you a bond servant of sin where you've decided no. oh, I I like it so much no, I just want to serve never, here? No, because it's never set you free. Right, right. You might there oh, were there servants go. who who served because they had no choice, who loved what they did. Right, right. You know, that had to be the case because, you know, humanity and all. Uh, and you know, I'm not getting into slavery thing, but in in ancient times, although there was there's always been the bad slavery, there has also been a, a, a servanthood. You you told me once your what was it, your grandpa was just sold? grandpa, yeah, because but it was there was so yeah, but there were different ways that people sold it, themselves just to as a way of doing life. Right, right. And a lot of scripture speaks to that, and that's where when we mess up the two, we yeah. go, oh, the Bible condones all types of evil slavery. No, 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 it doesn't. Well, luckily, we've all seen Downton Abbey now. Have we all watched, like, there's, a, you know, there's this big uh, uh, love affair that we're having with sort of that era of England and everything, and we see that it was, I mean, these were guys who were like, I, I would never go anywhere. This is my life. I love my life as the servant of this family and this estate, and it's this... It's a privilege. You like to walk around town and say, yes, that's me. That's me. I serve that guy, you know, and that's, it's funny, you know, yeah, because it you, it's, we, we, it's lost on us a little bit. But seeing that, um, boy, it just, it colors everything. It's like, so yeah, and just being pierced and he was pierced and their huh. heart was pierced and the, you know, guy said to Mary, your heart's going to be pierced and it's just, yeah, a lot of piercing. A lot of piercing yeah. going on. What do you suppose that was? Was that to like just to be shown symbolic? What was the the all on the doorpost? I, I think the door. It could be the door or the doorpost. Mm -hmm. um, I think that signifies the household, the home. Sure. The piercing was a visual thing. Like you know, we wear a ring to show we're married. 
um, they had a hole in their ear. Maybe they wore something in it. I don't know. To show uh, that they had been adopted into, the, they had by their own free will. I mean, it, a pierced ear yeah. said something incredible about the family, the master, and the servant. Right, right. And it's like, oh, wow. And so you're like family now. Yeah. And, I, and so in Revelation, when he talks about, um, uh, what is it? I'll, I'll give you a post, a column in my, to the one who overcomes, I'll give you a pillar. Right, right. And it actually just is a literally supporting post um, huh. with a new name. And it's like, oh, bond servant. I'm going to stick it all through your ear. <laughs> like it. Uh, here's somebody, this is, I mean, I just love that we have this many clearly dads in our congregation, but uh, you're, they said, right, the, the, this downward pull of gravity, that makes sense, which is why the Bible is uh, a book on anti-gravity. In fact, I can't put it down. <laughs> wow. That's good stuff. That's uh, gold. Is it? It <laughs> yes, was, it actually. Um, love the Isaiah verse that God will hold my hand. Immediately, all I could picture was God and I holding hands and skipping on our way, hands clasped together and swinging as we skipped along our way. And that scripture is for Jesus. He reads part of the Isaiah uh, passage and says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Right. I'm the guy. And so I love that idea that Jesus is holding God's hand through this a hundred percent. I think that dove coming down is God's hand to just hold, uh, to stay with him. Anyway. Um, the sharing of stories to mutually encourage and the feeding on faithfulness, all of that, boy, that really brings that into focus too. I'm a guy who is probably guilty of not being able to see the benefit of that sort of thing, that fellowship. Because I go, I'll just, I'll sit down with the Bible and it'll give me everything I need and I got it and all that. And what an absolutely great uh, picture of why we need that as well. And we, and we want to tend to gravitate toward sharing stories that we think are in, I don't know if we even think it, that make us look good. And uh -huh. we think we call encouraging, and they're really not. All they do is convince us, well, I can't be as great as that guy or that gal. It's like, hey, share us an encouraging story of faith. Well, I'll tell you the great thing I did once. Yeah. And I just knew, and I stood on faith, and I prayed. And I went there, and the walls fell down. And we yeah. go, now, who is that encouraging? Yeah. Uh, their ego? Yeah. I mean, that's great that God does big, great things. But when Paul's talking about being mutually encouraged by sharing faith... You're encouraged, but the term, it means, man, I didn't want to do something, and now listening to you, I kind of want to. Like, those big stories are inspiring. Yeah, yeah. But that day-to-day -day encouragement, of, boy, that makes me just want to try harder. Yeah. Is when I hear somebody that's gone through it. That's why Paul, Paul doesn't tell the inspiring stories. He's always down on himself telling the, the encouraging stories. Yeah. Oh, the thing, the very thing I want to do, I don't. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. And that's how I know sin is still just all wrapped inside of me. And I'm mm -hmm. just crying out, God, save me from this body of death. Because yeah. I don't want to do these things in my Take it from me, chief of sinners. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm the guy that killed all the Christians before I came to the Lord. And then he wanted me to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Yeah. I guess because I'm just so honest about it. It's just an ongoing struggle, even when you're the guy writing the Bible. Well, 
what is the Old Testament but that? It is the story of the repeated yeah, failure, attempts, and get it back together and get pointed in the right way and take that step and off a cliff you go and mess it up <laughs> and then you get back on track and you go again and mm -hmm. everything. And that's, it is exactly why it's there. We need that encouragement to realize he's like, I know. I know kids, I'm, I'm growing you slowly but surely, and I mean it is, it's encouraging because otherwise it's hard to, hard to take any steps. Um, also, uh, the pain and suffering of the bubble bath. Of the warm bubble bath. This is my new favorite, it's such a, it wraps it all up to anyone who has the, <laughs> a big problem with the problem of suffering. It's a big hurdle for a lot of people entering the faith. You know, you, this, how would a good, good God let bad things happen? And you go, well, it's, it's the bubble bath problem, isn't it, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's like the bubble you, bath. You don't want to get in because If you're it's so sting. cold, it's going to hurt bad. Yeah. But the idea is to climatize, acclimate, until you actually have a piece that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you can be in this world, but not of it. And actually enjoy the love and fellowship of God, realizing, oh, that's the way it works down here. Mm-hmm. All right. People die. What? Yeah. Believe Turns out he made it that way. We all, it's kind of like, you know, I went to uh, the Smithsonian uh, with Char years ago, and they had Thomas Edison's original uh, workbench with a couple of his original light bulbs still on. Huh. Because he invented the light bulb to last forever, which there's no reason not to. They had to then create that uh, planned obsolescence or uh -huh. engineered obsolescence because, well, you... No one would have to buy light bulbs. So they had to design into them a burnout. That's what God designed into every one of us. We are created to live forever. And he goes, but for a while, you got to have a planned obsolescence where you know that date of burnout's coming. That's an interesting, because yeah, right at the beginning of the book, he says, oh, don't let them eat from the tree of life lest they should live forever. Yeah, we got a thing going on here. Yeah. And I love the fingernail example. It's like, you know, this is what we have to offer, that one day you've passed from death to life. We yes. Don't, I love the idea that eternity already started for us. Right. It's just going from this side of the veil to that. And one day, and that's how I picture it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's Jesus. And it's like, wait, you're Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then you just realize, oh my goodness, I thought I would feel something. Yeah. Or I'd want it more. I like the yeah. idea that you're what? saying it's like that. It's like... Uh, I don't want my fingernail clippings back. <laughs> That's an interesting... It's like finding hair in the drain. You know, it's like, here, would you like that back on your head? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, impossible to hate. Are we like the world? Yep. I think that was her point. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope not, because then that would be a horrible example to have used. Uh, yeah, but... No, what the, what the person, well, you can speak well, no, to it. No, I also, I, I just love that idea. I love the impossible But, but they bring up being... a good question because the world will hate you. Um, what this person was saying is, what the counselor was saying is, congregations are filled with people that are human. Right, right. But they heard that there's something about his place, and I would assume it's our humility and our, and our transparency and our genuineness and our frankness. We're so humble. Yeah, so I <laughs> can't believe how humble we are. Um, that even though we have the same problems all the other people of all the other churches have, it's impossible to hate a person that, that just is so quick to point it out and say, yep, this is what we're like. Yeah. 
I try to explain that to my kids. Like, whenever you're, when you start getting to a certain point and you start really caring about what everyone in school thinks about you, and I said, think about the people that everybody liked, that you like the most. And those are the people who own up to everything right away, who just take responsibility. Yeah, that was me. That was Stu. I mean, it's just so funny that we all know that's who we love the most, but we're so reluctant to actually ever be it, you know, to <laughs> yeah. take that humble yeah. approach. But... Um, we're getting there, church. Good job. But, but that was a good. That was a good question. Yeah, uh, my friends all agree that a specific quote topic is universally good. But I have read some passages in the Bible uh, that say otherwise. How would I go about telling them this without seeming judgmental? Say what? I'm not sure. What the I think the topic is universe, like universal good. Maybe I think not. Maybe I think we're saying no relativism, a universal right, good. Right, I think that's right. what no we're. Relativism. So uh, agree that a specific topic is universal goodness. Let's say. How would I go about telling them this with, uh, without seeming judgmental? This topic holds a ton of political controversy, so ideally I want to say it without them getting mad because angry people are less likely to listen. Um, so how do you, yeah, how would you approach the... I don't know. I'm in a camp where anytime I want to say something to someone, I figure I'm, pro it's, I'm probably going to mess it up. And yeah. so as Lord, if you want me to say this, and I pray this often, here's the thing I want to tell this person. So if you want me to, make the moment happen, mm -hmm. make it abundantly clear, give me graceful words, but let them be asking to hear. Right. And until then, I'll just love on them, listen to them, talk to them, bring things up, try to, try to uh, spark the moment. But I've just found that when you know somebody needs to hear something and you're just tired of waiting for God to get around to, you know, mm -hmm. prying them into asking about it, and you just want to go, unless it's something that you need to confront, right. that's a different thing. I'm just talking about, you know, you got somebody you like and it's like, oh, they're, they're so wrong about this and someone just needs to tell them. That almost never works. Yes. But. But. Here's, okay. what, here's what I, here's I, what I like do. Here's my trick. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think the best way to uh, urge, nudge somebody toward truth is to ask the leading questions. That's You're good, not yeah. saying anything. You ask questions, and they will yeah, find the, why. They will find where it breaks down on their own, and you didn't say a word, so you weren't. That's you weren't really good. Them. So you say things like, "So when universal good, I go right, okay. So I let's eat babies, right?" And they'll say no, and you go why. Why can't we do that, though? Because there's some universal. Wherever it is, there's a line drawn for somebody. But you just explore that with them, and they'll come to realize that they've You know why that's so that. good? Because if you do a good job at that, and it takes practice to become good at listening and questioning without sounding condescending. Yeah. Um, because if you ask the right questions, after a few of those, they'll turn around and say, well, why... And then they'll ask a question. Yeah, and yeah. Now, that just... and it's a real dialogue all of a sudden because you actually want to hear instead of everybody just saying, preparing what they're going to say and stop listening to you. It turns yeah. it into okay, a conversation. Okay, look at it this way: whatever the subject is, whoever the person is, look at yourself and go, "Okay, here's what I know. I know I'm probably on this topic. I'm probably at most ever." 70% right and 30% wrong, and I don't know which part's which. Mm -hmm. They are probably never worse than 70% wrong and 30% right. <laughs> and so I'm going to go tell them what's what. Yeah. But with that in mind, but they got the 30% I need. 
in right. this topic. Yeah. And that's probably the best it ever is. You got the 70%. That's probably being generous. And that'll help you. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, it's, keep the right attitude. Okay? Um, uh, that's all I got right now. So, Anything yeah, else? text them in. No, no, no other texted in yet, but feel free to text those in here. Uh, get them in under the wire. Otherwise, uh, yeah, let's see. Was there anything else I wanted to go? I mean, I think this... You're like, speaking next... Oh, what? Sorry. Yeah. What <laughs> are you, are you telling me now? Um, the, uh, the, what you said, the bond-servant lens, right? Because this is... It, it just keeps sinking in the more I'm thinking about it and going, right, this necessary... He gives you free will, but he demands that... And blessings... Here's all from the flock and from right. the... Now, now what do you want to do? And I mean, because this addresses, I think, another problem that a lot of people might have from far away of Christianity, saying, so how is it free will if he says, do exactly what I tell you to do? And you go, fair point from that <laughs> far out, except for what if there was this parental, omnipotent, all-knowing everything who said, I have the plans I have for you. Like, you don't even know how great you could have it. I have all that and you can't... I can make it perfect for you. I just, I have to be in charge because you don't even know where we go, how to do this. So I need you to give me the reins and let me, you know, push Guide you toward you, yeah. that. Yeah. It's both, right? It is both, you know, um, you're making yourself a servant to this person. You're giving back that free will, essentially. But you did have free will to give. And so mm -hmm. I just think it's such a, um, a powerful picture of the And you're the becoming entire... part of that family. You're not, a, you're not a slave anymore. Right. You're a member of the family. And it can only be motivated by love, which is why love is the key to everything. I mean, and it's not like, oh, what if you did that and then you found out uh, they're not, they were uh, faking it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The only people who did that were the ones who were serving such a wonderful family and massive, like, oh my goodness, this just feels like family. And, and then they're giving you all this stuff to see you off and everyone's crying. And they're like, where am I going to go? Yeah. We love each other. So do you want to do the piercing thing? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, get over here to the doorpost. <laughs> yeah. And give me my all. I'm going to thrust it through. I know. So we're going to start doing that here at the church? Yep. Okay, cool. And you're up Sunday? I am up Sunday. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. I know. And we don't have to have masks? Oh. No masks next Sunday? I know. Have a mask burning I'll see. party? <laughs> I'll get a look at everyone's faces. That's going to be weird. I was having that with my, my daughters. They're starting to get rid of them in school and everything. And I'm like, what an interesting situation that no generation has ever had before where you've known these close friends of yours and you've barely ever seen them like in real life. And I, I think that's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun for everyone. Yep. So. All righty. Okay, well then we'll let you guys go. Have a Love great it. Sunday. Love, Love you guys. Thanks for sticking around. See you next Sunday.